Welcome back to the Relational Grace Podcast, where we share the teachings of Pastor Nick Harris, who taught us that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. I'm Jamie Russell, Pastor Harris's son. In this episode, we'll kick off one of our largest teaching series today. Pastor Harris is going to walk us through the spiritual gifts. What are the spiritual gifts? How many of them are there? How do we know which gifts we have? There are so many questions to be answered on this topic. In this episode, Pastor Harris will examine these God-given abilities through the lens of none other than the Apostle Paul, and you know that's going to make for some great teaching. So we're going the extra mile with this series, as we hope to do with many more to come. We know that podcasts are not for everyone, so we'll be producing an accompanying version of this teaching series in video format, and we'll be publishing this set of videos on the Ariel Ministries YouTube channel. So for those who would rather see Pastor Harris deliver these teachings, or for those wanting to share Pastor Harris's teachings in other formats other than audio only, this is for you. To make this as easy as possible, you'll be able to visit gifts.arielministries.com, that's Ariel spelled A-R-I-E-L, to see all available audio, video, and print resources we have to offer for this Spiritual Gifts teaching series. It's our hope and prayer that you, or someone you might consider passing these resources along to, would be able to use them to teach in-person or even online and remote Bible studies. Be sure to check back often, as we'll be adding content for many months to come. Also be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, as we have many videos we hope to publish this year. I'd like to give a big thanks to Patty Wilkins for contacting us, as she was curious to find Pastor Harris's teachings on the spiritual gifts. She knew she had heard them in the past, but couldn't find them. It is such an encouragement when we are contacted about specific teachings of dads. So we thought we would take that cue to kick off the year 2023 with these teachings. Moreover, continue to open up new ways to spread these teachings, in this case with our additional use of video and the teaching guides that will follow. So as many of those longtime listeners know, part of what you get when tuning into this podcast is some personal side or background stories of sorts to these teachings of dads. Well, this is quite an important episode for us, because this is the first episode of the Relational Grace podcast where Dad tells one of his long-fabled tales of Zeke and Jake Johnson, two brothers we lovingly refer to as the Johnson brothers. Now, Dad would never really admit it to me that the Johnson brothers were, in fact, not real people. My suspicion is that he loosely based his stories off maybe two brothers he grew up with. But one thing I do know is that as a little boy, when I would sit in church services that seemed to last a lifetime, every once in a while, Dad would reference Zeke and Jake Johnson, and he would immediately capture 100% of my attention. I knew these two were characters, and a fantastical or just straight silly story was about to be delivered. So I do hope you enjoy his somewhat cheesy Johnson Brothers story, and we hope to uncover many more of these tales as we continue to dig through Dad's work. Now, one fun fact that I don't think many people know is that I have three kids, two sons and a daughter, all about two and a half years apart. Now, I haven't always loved my name, Jamie. My mother, Crystal, thought it was cute that my sister, Amy, and I's names rhymed, but I was never very impressed. Now, on the other hand, I always loved my big brother, Deke's name. I thought it was manly and very unique and also nice and short, you know, one syllable. So when naming my boys... Those became some of my requirements. That said, I named my first son Max. It's manly, somewhat unique at the time, and nice and short. Well, then the second son came along. 
So when seeking a name similar to my big brother Deke's name that I always liked, but I also wanted one that was unique and, of course, short. Inevitably, I came up with the name Zeke. Now, you should have seen the look on my dad's face when I told him that he was going to have a grandson named after one of the Johnson brothers. Again, who most likely is not a real person. I still love my Zeke's name, and unlike his pseudo-namesake Zeke Johnson, my Zeke is highly intelligent. He's a brilliant musician. He makes straight A's in all of his honors classes, and trust me, he is not easily fooled. We do have a study guide, but plan to make it available for download at gifts.arielministries.com once the series is completed. I would also like to note that this teaching was delivered back in 2020, as the COVID lockdown started. Dad is delivering these messages from the comfort of his living room via Facebook Live. You won't be able to notice here on the podcast, that is, until his dog starts barking about halfway through. But hey, it's authentic, and it's definitely a sign of those times we were in. I'd also like to give a shout out to my sister Amy for her stellar camera work. She would faithfully go over to Mom and Dad's to Facebook Live each of these teachings. Thank goodness she did, or we would simply never have captured any of this. Her videos are the only record we have of this teaching in both audio or video, and they happen to be very compressed Facebook Lives shot on an iPhone. This also may explain the lower resolution video you'll see on YouTube, but it's what we have, and we're making the best of it. So let's go ahead and get into the first teaching of the Spiritual Gifts series titled, Introduction to the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. But beginning today, beginning today, we'll begin to examine the Holy Spirit's gifts, the gifts themselves. And by that I mean those gifts that the Apostle Paul described for us in some detail in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, nobody is better than Paul at getting these things out to us and explaining them to us. And so what I'm going to do is delve into what Paul has to say and see what we can extract from that in the way of our daily living. Now, we'll begin this portion of our study by asking this basic question. What are spiritual gifts? Well, the Bible has a clear answer. They're defined by one Greek word, and that word is charismata. Charismata. Now, that's a great word. It's an awesome word, as a matter of fact. This word is formed from combining two Greek nouns. The first is the noun car, C-H-A-R, car, which means literally joy, joy. And then I add to that, if I do, add the two letters I and S to C-H-A-R. I have C-H-A-R-I-S, which is charis, and that is the word that means grace. So car means joy, charis means grace. Now, if I take that and I add two additional letters, M-A, and make it charisma, it means spiritual gifts. In other words, a charisma, a spiritual gift, can be defined as a joyous gift of God's grace, something God gives to us without measure. Now this, and without merit. Now we can't earn spiritual gifts or we can't deserve spiritual. Nothing you do makes you good enough 
to have spiritual gifts. It's just, it's a free gift of God. It's a charisma. Now, we must also be aware that the charisma are not natural abilities. No matter how hard you try, you can't use your abilities to develop charisma. They're given by God. Now, in addition, as we've just seen, spiritual gifts are not rewards for exemplary behavior. Rather, the spiritual gifts are the charisma, or in the plural, the charismata, which is the plural that I added T-A to that, and it becomes gifts rather than gift, are God-given, God-given abilities. They are spiritual tools which motivate believers to minister more effectively to God and to others. Now, every single Christian believer needs to understand exactly how the spiritual gifts, the charismata, operate. It's imperative, I believe. I, I believe it's one of the most important things that can happen in the church. So let me begin by saying this. It takes three things, three things, to do any job well. Now, we all know that. To do a job well, a person must be motivated to work, a person must be properly equipped to work, and a person must see some manifestations of success in his or her efforts if a job is going to be done. Without those three things, no job is done well. Now, when I was growing up as a boy, back in Grand Saline, Texas, we had a couple of guys move to our town. Actually, they moved outside our town. They bought a farm outside the town in a place called Fruitvale, Texas. Now, I doubt if any of you have ever heard of Fruitvale, but <laughs> Fruitvale's quite a little town. And they bought a farm. Well, when they went out, they, they were moving from Dallas. They, they knew nothing about farming. And so one of the two fellows was named Zeke Johnson, and the other was Jake Johnson. Now, Jake was the older. Zeke was the younger. Jake was a big, powerful guy. Zeke is just a little kind of shrimpy guy. But they're going to farm. And so Jake says to Zeke, Zeke, what do farmers do? He said, well, I think farmers, they plow. And he said, well, we don't have anything to plow with. He said, well, Let's go look in our new barn and see there's maybe something out there. Well, they go and what do they find? They find a harness out there. They're, they have nothing else. They just have the harness. And so Jake decides that he'll put the harness on because he's the big strong guy. And Zeke will direct the plow because he's a little guy. And so they go out and listen, Fruitvale is in the free state of Van Zandt. The free state of Van Zandt. And there's nothing there much but rocks. And so they go out and they start trying to plow. And old Jake, he pulls that plow and he's working and he's struggling and, and fighting against that plow. And finally he just gives up. He's plowed a furrow about that long. And he said, Zeke, I can't plow anymore. I'm too tired. And he said, he said this is going to kill us. There's got to be a better way to do this. And he said, well, let's go over to the next farm said, maybe we can buy a, a, a tractor. And this great idea. So they go over to Farmer Brown's place, the next farm over, and they say, hey, uh, we, we're the new neighbors here. And said, we, we're trying to plow, and I can't pull the plow. Do, do you think maybe we could buy a 
tractor from you? And the guy said, well, sure. Said, how much money you got? Jake looks at Z, said, well, I think we got $10. He said, sir, you can't buy a tractor for $10. That's insane. He said, as a matter of fact, you can't buy a mule for $10. And they said, well, what are we going to do? We're killing ourselves. I did. Why don't you go down on Highway 80 to Smith's General Store and buy you a mule egg and raise your own mule? Well, they said, what a great idea. How much do you think that'll cost us? Well, I think it'll cost $10. And so the two boys, they take off down the road. They're, they're going to walk up to the place. And so Brown climbs in his pickup truck. And he starts around the section line. He beats them by half an hour up there to the general store. And he says to Smith, Brown does, he said, listen, take one of those emery watermelons out front and spray that thing white. He said, because we've got a couple rubes coming. And he said, you sell it to them. You Sell them that egg for, for that, sell it to them as a mule egg and sell it to them for $10. So the boys arrive. Sure enough, Smith sells them that mule egg, that emery watermelon that's been sprayed white. So Jake picks it up because he's a big strong one and they start outside and they're walking down the road and Zeke looks at him and says, listen, whatever you do, Jake, don't drop that mule egg. It's the last 10 bucks we've got. But they're walking along and pretty soon that big emery watermelon gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And he hits a rock with his toe and falls. And that emery watermelon goes sailing through the air. And as luck would have it, it lands right on top of one of those East Texas jackrabbit holes. Up out of that hole comes that rabbit. It's a long-eared rabbit. It looks like a baby mule. And it takes off running across the free state of Anzac. And Zeke's in hot pursuit. He's running as hard as he can run. Jake's following as best he can. And they run that thing for five miles. And finally, Jake sits down on a rock. He said, Zeke, stop. Stop. Zeke stops and turns around and looks. He said, let it go. He said, I didn't want to plow that fast either. Now, what I'm saying to you is those boys were motivated, but they weren't properly equipped. Therefore, they saw no manifestations. You get my point? I think you do. Now, God has provided these three necessities to his people through the vehicle of spiritual gifts. In the first place, God bestows certain spiritual gifts to motivate People who are born again to serve him. There are seven of these motivational gifts, all of which are found in the book of Romans chapter 4, or chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Now let me read you that portion of scripture. Listen carefully now, it's important. Paul writes, for we have many members in one body. Now many of you, are aerial chapel people. And you know that you belong to our local body. We have many members, but one body. But, now here's the key that Paul wants them to understand, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many, 
of one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now get this. Having then charismata, okay? Having then gifts differing according to the charis, the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Now here's a list. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives. Yes, that's a gift. He who gives, gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Isn't that great? So clearly, the seven motivation gifts listed here in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8 are these. Now, if you've got your pen, you can write them down, but they're present in your study guides. Prophecy, servanthood, teaching, exhortation, giving, administration, and empathy. Seven gifts that motivate you to serve God. These are spiritual tools. And if you do not employ the gifts that are yours, you're going to find yourself frustrated in your life in any body of Christ. You see, every believer needs to understand exactly how spiritual gifts, how the charismata operate. It's imperative. So let me begin by saying this. They're some of the most important things you'll ever have in your life. Now, let me make this clear. Every believer will have one of those seven gifts. One of those belongs to you. Or let me say it this way. One of those gifts will be dominant in your life, but you may have several others that are subdominant. And God alone will determine who will have each one of those gifts. In fact, he will distribute these gifts as he wills as we affirmed earlier in this series of studies when we did the exegesis of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Now, this is true of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God determines which ones a believer will have. Now, there's 26 spiritual gifts in all, but seven of those are to motivate you. So the Holy Spirit then has those seven gifts, but he then has 11 gifts which are designed to equip you to do the work of the ministry in the church. You see, in the New Testament, we're told that every born-again believer is a priest of God. If you have been born for a second time, you now belong to God's priesthood. You are a part, you are a priest of God. Now, every born-again believer, in other words, has a ministry to perform in the church. However, priests must be what? Properly equipped. You can't be like the Johnson brothers. You can't not have a tractor or a mule. Now, you must be properly equipped if you're going to perform your ministry well. So God has placed what I call equippers in the church. Now, these are the 
called out ones. That's what I call those equippers, the called out ones. God gives to the called out ones the ability to enable others to become successful in their priesthood. That is the function of these people who have been given these 11 gifts to equip the saints to do the ministry of the church. They are not to do the ministry themselves. They are to train others how to do ministry. Every believer in the church is a minister. But they can't minister unless they're properly equipped. And it is these people with these 11 specialized gifts that enable you to learn how to minister. In fact, these gifts are supernatural. And select persons in the body are those who are given these. Not See, everyone has motivational gifts, but not everyone is an equipper. God has just called out certain ones for that test. And they equip others to do the ministry of the church, just as I said. Now these people, these called out ones, do not do the ministry. Let me say that again. Your church is not effective if all you have is your ordained ministry doing the ministry of the church. That's not God's way. God's way is for everyone to minister. Now, this is described to us in the New Testament in two places. The first is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Now, it reads as follows. And he himself, now the he in your Bible is a capital, himself is a capital. He himself, that means God, gave some to be, now get the word some, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What do they do? They are equippers. They equip the total body to be in what? Ministry. Does that make sense to you? Then the second place is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. It reads as follows. And God, who? God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. And then he adds a new line of people with these gifts. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing. Helps. Administrations. Varieties of tongues. Now there is a different list. So what do we have? We have five and we have six. So there are 11 of these. So these 11 gifts given by the Holy Spirit to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry are as follows. Here they are. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, workers of miracles, healers, helpers, administrators, speakers in languages, and interpreters of languages. Now, you have to be very careful to understand exactly the wording I used here because as we go further into this study in the weeks ahead, we're going to understand the significance of that. But remember this. These 11 gifts are not identified. Now, here's what you must understand. It's where the Greek comes in. These 11 gifts are not identified as being charismatic. They're not charismatic. Those seven 
First gifts were charismatic. These gifts are not. These gifts are called domata. D-O-M-A-T-A. They are different than charismata. Domata is a different word. It means this, to present, to appoint, or to build. This means that those given one or more of these 11 gifts have been appointed by God to pursue definite tasks, and that is to equip believers to properly do the ministry of the church. So God has called or set aside these persons to train others, to build up or to enhance the ministry of the church. Can you imagine, in most of our churches, we'll have one to 10 pastors on staff, depending upon how big your church is. But can you imagine those 10 doing all the work of the ministry of the church? How much more effective would it be if a thousand people in that church were doing the ministry? What if they were performing the tasks of prophets and teachers and administrators and servants, empathizers? What, what if you had all of these people doing these things? And excuse me, my dog is barking. Uh, that's uh, part of being home is uh, you've got to put up with my dog, which uh, she's the dearest dog you can possibly make. So anyhow, now these two sets of gifts, charismata and domata, are not even remotely akin to one another. See, the point, that's the point I'm trying to make here. Now, understand the difference that exists. Now, finally, there is a third set of spiritual gifts. Now, here's what's unusual. We have the charismatic gifts. We have the domata, the domatic gifts. But now we're going to return to nine more gifts, which are also charismatic gifts. And I call these the nine manifestation gifts. Now, remember this. You've got to be motivated, you've got to be properly equipped, but you've also got to see manifestations that what you're doing is worthwhile. Huh? You get, get my point? Now, I refer to these as being manifestation gifts because they publicly display the Holy Spirit's presence in the lives of Christian believers. Now, these gifts are listed for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. And they're as follows. Now let me give you a list of them and you can find them by just simply looking in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. They're listed very clearly. First is, now listen carefully to how I say this, the word of wisdom. Don't just say wisdom. That's not a, that, that's not a manifestation gift, wisdom. It is the word, the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. Then the second is the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge. Thirdly, faith. Fourth, healings. Fifth, miracles. Sixth, prophecy. Seventh, discerning of spirits. Eight, tongues. Nine, interpretation of tongues. There's your nine charismatic manifestation gifts. Now, the Apostle Paul indicates that any believer can manifest any or all of these nine motivational gifts, but they only appear at the behest or discretion of the Holy Spirit. You can't determine, I'm going to have this gift and I'm going to practice. No, it's not up to you. You have nothing to do with it. The Holy Spirit is the one who chooses you. Now, 
Remember this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, reads as follows. But one and the same spirit, cat spirit, works all things, now get this, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You don't determine what your gifts are going to be. The Holy Spirit determines those gifts. But here's the tragedy. It says that he distributes them individually and all of us are individuals in the church. But how many of you have displayed publicly a manifestation gift? I'm afraid. Not many. We don't see it often. Now notice when one of these gifts is called for in the church, the Holy Spirit will determine which of the gifts the person selected to manifest that gift is to utilize. And the Holy Spirit, once again, let me repeat it, the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts as he sees fit. Now, your role, the role of the believer in the utilization of the manifestation gifts are these. They have to know and accept the particular role God has given to them in the body of Christ. If you haven't taken the time to determine what your role is, then you're never going to be effective as a Christian. You're going to live beneath your potential. I find that tragic. Don't you? Now, once again, once you know that, then you can begin to employ those nine gifts. Now, the Apostle Paul makes it clear <coughs> that the exercise of spiritual gifts is vital because the gifts of the Holy Spirit enrich every local church. Anywhere the gifts of the Spirit are operational, the gifts are going to bless the church. And if these nine manifestation gifts are not utilized in the church, or if they're quenched by unbelief, I can promise you this, the church will suffer. It may be a great social organization, but it's not going to be the church. That's the point. It's spiritual gifts being exercised by the saints that enables the church to be the church. So in the final analysis, all 26 of the spiritual gifts are given for one reason, to enable the people of God to serve the Lord and to serve each other. Boy, has there ever been a time in the history of the United States of America, where the church needs to be serving? We had something very beautiful happen to us yesterday. Our landlord for our property, where Ariel Chapel meets, called us on the phone and informed us she was cutting our rent in half because she was concerned that this might be hurting us, that everybody staying home might be hurting us financially. You see, to me, that is the manifestation or the motivational gift of giving and it's very fine. Here, here's somebody that enters it. And I hope that if you have anything at all in your heart for generosity, and I'm going to talk about the gift of giving later here, that you would, at this time, particularly in the history of our country, you'd reach out to others. These are times when people are hurting and they're hurting badly. But the church, when the church is the church, the unbelievable occurs. It's wonderful. So 
I will begin this next session by examining the motivational gifts. Once I've done this, it's going to take me a couple of weeks on those motivational gifts because they're so important. See, if you're not motivated, the rest of them don't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're equipped or whether you have manifestations. It's just going to be meaningless if you're not properly motivated. Who, who does a job well that's not motivated to do it? Then after that, I'll examine those ministry gifts, the equipping gifts. And then finally, I'll examine the manifestation gifts. But I'll begin next week with the seven motivational gifts. Those of you with study guides can go ahead of me if you choose to do so, or you can wait for me to get there. But I'll guarantee you that in the midst of it all, pastor will be chasing rabbits. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to connect with Aerial Ministries on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our email list at aerialministries.com. That's Ariel spelled A-R-I-E-L. We look forward to keeping you updated on upcoming episodes and projects. If you would like to support the missional efforts of Aerial Ministries in Thuraka, Kenya with Each One Feed One, we'd like to remind you that 10% of all donations to Aerial Ministries will support this missional effort. Visit aerialministries.com slash give for online donations and other methods of giving. To learn more about the Thuraka mission, you can visit aerialministries.com slash missions. You can also listen to episode 26 for a deeper dive into how our relationship with Each One Feed One and the McCarter family started over 35 years ago, where we are today, and where we're headed in the future.